Hey everyone, welcome to Remap, my name is Jared, and today we're taking a look at the 2023 blockbuster by Larian Studios, Baldur's Gate 3. Now, this was a game on my radar because it was one of the big launches of the year, but more importantly, it came highly recommended. A friend of mine is a huge fan of Larian's work and considered their previous game, Divinity 2, his favorite game of all time. And with that kind of endorsement, I thought it was only fair to add Baldur's Gate to the, the top of my backlog and give it a shot right when it came out. So for those unaware, Baldur's Gate 3 is an open world role-playing game that is uniquely set in the Dungeons & Dragons universe. And this doesn't just include the setting. The core mechanics of Baldur's Gate are also centered around the D&D 5th edition rules. Trying to attack an enemy requires an attack roll, you know, scaring an enemy requires an intimidation check, and of course, you know, you can blow up a whole building with fireball. And as you might expect, all of this combat is in a turn-based system. One thing I do want to note before we get into this review is that I'm actually a huge Dungeons & Dragons fan. I've had the opportunity to both play and DM some great campaigns. So I came into Baldur's Gate 3 a little skeptical. The magic of D&D is really the ability to do anything, and I was worried that the constraints of a game would be too much for me to get over. But with all that being said, I'll be keeping this review limited to minor spoilers. No specific story moments, but I will be discussing characters and the general elements of the three acts. I will, however, be adding a spoiler-filled ending, a little discussion at the very end, but don't worry, I'll give you plenty of advance notice. And as always, these are my opinions and mine alone. So starting off with the graphics, Baldur's Gate 3 looks like a D&D map come to life. Each act contains a huge, intricately detailed region with some of the best background texture work I've ever seen. They've got dark caves, green forest, and the busy, densely packed streets of the city. All are vibrant, clear, and bring a ton of life to the world of Faerun. The detail of these textures really is impressive, and at no point did I feel like they were reusing assets in any unusual manner. You know, everything at every moment felt fresh, new, and some real care went into it. The character and creature work was also some of the best I've seen, though my player character was a bit of a letdown. All of the main characters' faces are well-detailed and surprisingly expressive during their dialogue. The in-game cutscenes also helped with this immersion, as you always saw your team with the weapons and armor you equipped. But my playable character was significantly less expressive, though, I know this is because with the lack of spoken dialogue by your character, but it still threw me off at times seeing an emotional reaction by a critical member of my party, only for the camera to pan over to me with this the dumbest expression on my character's face. More importantly, though, the visual variety and detail of the enemies is top-notch, you know, talking with and fighting giant demons, little sneaky goblins, or even enemy humans never got stale or repetitive with the great variety that this game provides. And the gameplay of Baldur's Gate 3 was, I think, the best implementation 
of a tabletop RPG. You have your party of four adventurers, one of which being your player character, out on this grand adventure through a third-person top-down view. You know, you can walk around and explore the map in real time, but when it's time for combat, you roll initiative, the turn order pops up, and you enter a turn-based mode. And this makes combat encounters feel exactly like a D&D fight, where you can set up attacks and strategies, but with the time to adjust if you fail a roll or two, since there's no set time limit for each turn. I really did enjoy this combat system and found myself seeking out fights just to get more time with it. They they really did a great job of implementing the, the gameplay and the feel of a D&D campaign into a video game that controls well enough on controller. Um, obviously, this would have been a lot better on PC being able to click where I'm going, but they did good enough on controller. However, I did start to notice some issues when it came to the late game combat, just in terms of balancing. So you level up with an XP system with a cap of level 12, and it's just like D&D, where you get new spells, new abilities at each level. But by the time I was level 12 and had great equipment, this game just became really easy. Um, there's three difficulties, and I, I was playing on the medium one. But by the end of the game, most combat encounters would just be a couple of turns, and there were never any high stakes or worry of failure that I felt in the early game, back when I had you know a much lower health pool and fights where I really had high stakes. Now, I will say, as a DM, I am well aware of the absolute disaster that is trying to balance level-appropriate combat. So I'm not that upset with this. I just thought it was funny that even in a game version of D&D, they still had the same issue. Now, unfortunately, preparing for this fun, engaging combat is an absolute chore. The inventory management system in Baldur's Gate 3 is flat-out terrible. I have nothing else to say about it other than it sucks. You have to spend so much unnecessary time sifting through the mess of an inventory screen to change weapons, armor, free up carrying capacity, distribute items to my party members, and sending stuff to your camp isn't much better with there literally just being one giant chest that has everything thrown into it, and you have to sift through it to grab something out of it. But the thing is, not every encounter is going to result in needing to prepare for a fight. In true D&D fashion, you do have a host of different choices to make, both big and small. Some combat encounters can be completely skipped by persuading or intimidating the other party. You can take different routes to your goal, uncovering different secrets depending on the route and the objectives you prioritize. And most importantly, you have critical decisions to make like who to kill or side with. And this element of choice was one of the main selling points of Baldur's Gate 3, and throughout my 80 hours of gameplay, I had to make plenty of them. And the stakes gradually get bigger as the game progresses. I'm not going to mention any specific spoilers, but as you might expect, there are some crucial decisions at the ends of Act 1, 2, and 3. And these choices drive your, your playthrough, and give you the freedom to create your own 
unique experience and story. Or so I thought. Because I'll be honest, I did not enjoy the conclusion of this game. Throughout Acts 1 and 2 and most of 3, I was invested in the story, invested in the characters, having a great time. But I felt that the ending, you know, the end of Act 3, did not give me the fulfilling conclusion that I wanted. I'll speak more to this later in my spoiler section, but I did want to highlight the... The real bad taste it left in my mouth after an otherwise great game and great experience. It was just unfortunate, you know, going through the whole thing, getting excited, getting myself hyped up for the ending just to be left going meh. Um, It it gave me a lot of memories of Mass Effect 3, you know, going through Mass Effect 1, 2, 3, just a great, wonderful experience, learning about characters caring about the story only for the ending to just be eh really this is it um which is really unfortunate because i did enjoy the vast majority of my playthrough but one of the main negatives not specifically related to the story regarding my Baldur's gate 3 experience was the amount of performance issues that cropped up i had a host of audio bugs, and some minor screen tearing, but what was most annoying were the loading screens. I understand that this is a vast open world with tons of assets, but oh my gosh, I did not spend $500 on a PlayStation 5 for loading screens that reminded me of Skyrim on the Xbox 360. These loading screens are horrible, and what doesn't help is the fact it's a D&D game, so you got to do some save scumming to get some rolls where you save before a, a conversation, then you reload to the conversation if you don't get the outcome you wanted. That will unironically take 10 minutes because nine and a half of those 10 minutes are just sitting in 45 second long loading screens. And even just adjusting your inventory had some lag, which gets old when you have to do this every few minutes of gameplay. But going back to the story, I like I said, I did genuinely enjoy Baldurgate 3's narrative and world building. The story is engaging, and Larian does a great job of threading the needle of the core story through all the side adventures and hidden secrets you discover. But the stars of the show are your party members that embark on this adventure with you. There's a total of 10 different NPCs that you can meet and get to join your crew throughout the game, but everyone has their favorites. I exclusively kept Carlock, Lysel, and Shadowheart in my team the entire game. So there's basically only three characters for my playthrough. But it's through meeting these characters, learning their backstories, and embarking on unique quests with them that the game is at its best. And what really makes it all work is some of the best voice acting in a game I have ever seen. Every single conversation with my three core party members is like an Oscar-worthy performance. It's an Oscar-worthy piece of dialogue. I became invested in them even more than the main story. Which, honestly, 
is why I think I had so many problems with the ending. I didn't like how they resolved some of my favorite characters' stories. You know, when you're when you're reading a book or watching a movie, you really want it to end in a certain way. And when it doesn't end that way, you're just sitting there like, man, that sucks. Um, which, I mean, at the end of the day, it means that the writers, the animators, and the voice actors did their job and created characters that I could care about. The rest of the sound design is a bit of a mixed bag, though. Like I said earlier, I had quite a few audio bugs, which hampered the immersion. And the effects during combat weren't anything too special, but I did want to shout out the sound effect for Fireball, because it sounded exactly like a spell like that should sound. But what I really wanted out of Baldur's Gate 3 was more of the soundtrack. There are some absolutely incredible songs and some incredible work by Borislav Slavov, the composer. The main theme, the song Down by the River, and of course, Raphael's final act. All of these are just awesome to listen to, and they add so much to the experience while playing. I just wish they would have kept the music more at the forefront. Because you barely hear this incredible music across your 80-plus-hour playthrough. Most of the time, you know, you just have your standard background or battle music, which, it's good. But when you get that moment once every 15 hours where one of these great songs comes on, they actually let the music sit at the forefront, you just wish there was more. I like to contrast this with how the Persona games use their soundtrack. You know, in Persona 5, you hear the same songs over and over, depending on the context. They they keep it at the forefront, keep pushing it to you to help build those emotions and themes. And with Baldur's Gate 3, they could have done the same thing by tailoring and reusing some of these great songs for specific characters and context to build emotion. You know, they did do it here and there, especially with the song Raphael's Final Act. And I do want to make it clear, I may sound like I'm complaining about the soundtrack, but Raphael's Final Act is unironically a top 10 song in gaming history. And not to spoil anything specific, but the moment that that song is playing was the highlight of Baldur's Gate 3 for me. I I just want to emphasize that I really believe there's a missed opportunity for more moments like that. Being able to build the characters, build um, certain themes and story moments by letting the music be more in the forefront, keeping it more top of mind. So looking at Baldur's Gate 3 as a whole, I found it really difficult to give my final score, mainly because this genre of game is so unique. You know, nobody's out here making... Dungeons and Dragons RPGs. And honestly, they pulled it off. This is definitely a game I would recommend and should be considered one of the top games of this year. But after I finished it, I didn't have that feeling I usually get after 50 plus hour RPGs. Like I mentioned earlier, did not enjoy the ending, the conclusion of the story, and of many of the characters. But I'm still going to be giving it an A. You know, it really is a great game that I'd recommend, but I do want to make it clear, I don't think it should get Game of the Year over Tears of the Kingdom. 
the ending of Tears of the Kingdom, how I felt in my heart, hit me more than Baldur's Gate 3. And that core emotion, I give so many points to in a game if they make me feel that way after finishing it. And I know I was a bit harsh at times. Luckily, it's my review, so I can say what I want. But they really did do a great job, and I'm I'm quite content with giving this game a strong A. But now that we're concluded with the review, I would like to get into some spoiler talk. So if you think you are ever going to play Baldur's Gate 3, I invite you to leave now, and I appreciate you for tuning in. Alright, now I can talk about my main problems with this game. And if you didn't play it, you are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. And this won't be as structured as my review section. It's This is really more of a time for me to take a moment and complain about what specifically I didn't like about the ending. Mainly, they spent this entire game hyping up Prince Orpheus only for him to be a complete non-factor. This whole I had Lysel on my main party. This whole game, I kept hearing over and over again about how great the prince was, how he can help take down the gift, and I'm like, man, I'm going to support Lizelle. She's one of my core party members. Love her story. Love her character. Let's do this. Have to go through the whole House of Hope thing. Go through Raphael. So much work goes into saving Prince Orpheus. Then you have to make a big decision of betraying your ally, the Emperor. Great, great work all up until that moment. And then they hit me with, oh, by the way, Prince Orpheus does not matter. You know, even if you rescue him, someone still has to turn into an Alithid. And I'm sitting here, faced with this choice, going, why? This makes no sense. You're hyping this dude up as being some super-powered guy, and at the end of the day, either I have to turn into an Alithid, which I don't want to do. I didn't even use the, the ancestral touch tadpole or whatever it is to be half Alithid. He shouldn't turn into a lithid, because the whole point of rescuing him is so he can lead the Githyanki. Um, and then immediately, Carlac goes, hey, maybe I should turn into an Alithid. And I'm sitting here like, hell no, you are my favorite character. You are not doing that to yourself. I immediately reload and say, you know what? Ah, we're, we're eating the prince. We're going with the emperor. It, the, the the whole point of rescuing him was so this didn't have to happen. And it was so, and from that point, I was just mad. And the entire ending fights and scripted moments from then until the final credits, it was just really buggy and felt out of place. You know, some of the timer segments, yeah, there's the ship shooting um, on like the end of the turn order to certain parts of the map, so you have to move in a quote-unquote quick manner, but it can't be quick because it's turn-based combat. It, it it just didn't feel fun to play. Um, and the whole gimmick of summoning your allies you have uh, made with throughout the game, again, a cool gimmick, nice to see, but at that point when I'm level 12, it is significantly more efficient for me to just use my insanely powerful spells and weapons than to use my whole action on just, oh, let me summon three random town guards that are going to get one turn by a dragon. 
But I was most annoyed by the endings because there was basically just two. I mean, it's either, oh, you destroy the nether brain or you control the nether brain. And then there's just some tiny differences with some NPC cutscenes, but really nothing major. I felt that all my branching decisions just got funneled down into, to me, really generic endings. And I know not every NPC is going to get the perfect ending, you know, a big piece of fleshed out content. Guys like, you know, Minsk that shows up in Act 3, he's obviously not going to get a huge story arc. But why in the world did they treat Carlock this way? Literally the most likable character, my favorite character, the one I was most invested in. They say, oh, by the way, Carlock, you know, um, you're, the end of your story is either going to be you die or you go back to the place you never want to go to. And it just all around sucks. And I'm sitting here like, you're not going to give me the op- opportunity, the option to try and do anything to help her? Shadowheart got an incredible arc with the option for a happy ending. Great job with Shadowheart. I loved her story. I loved learning about her. But she wasn't my fa- favorite character. And they did Carlac dirty. And then, like I said, with Lazelle, how they treat um, Prince Orpheus... Lysel gets screwed over. So really, like I said, I only used three characters, and when two out of three of them, I hate how they treated, it's a little bit annoying. I just really wish they had a bank of a couple dozen shortcut scenes so I could actually see some differences in how the game ends. You know, give me a little more nuance based on um, how I treated certain characters, my relationship with certain characters. I... I just felt like there was too little variety in how the game ends with how much this game was hyped up as being, oh, your choices matter. Every choice you make determines your story. I I really just wanted more out of it. And what what really struck home to me was I did the House of Hope right before the ending, and it was so much better. Okay, every aspect of the House of Hope was more fun, more engaging, more incredible than the actual ending of Act 3. So I I wish there was a way that I could have ended the game on that moment because that would have been way cooler. But that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Remap, the gaming podcast. My name is Jared. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.